Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, we're thankful for the quietness of this evening. We're thankful for this sanctuary. We're thankful for the leading of thy spirit thus far, Camp 2011. We're thankful for the word that's before us. We pray, Lord, that thou would divide it tonight. Thou knowest what we all need. Thou can surely provide. Thou that has provided in the past will be true and faithful again tonight. So with great expectation, Lord, we sit at thy feet for learning. We pray that thy word would be remembered in our hearts and our minds. And that application could be found in each one of our lives as we submit our wills to you each and every day. So with this, we pray it all in your son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. We're going to go and look at a half a verse found in Acts. But let's talk first or speak about first the things that we heard about last night. There's, there's continuity. There's continuity in God's word. Last night we talked about turn to the Lord in true repentance. We're not talking about cheap grace. We're talking about grace that was paid with the blood of Jesus Christ. We're talking about a rock-bottom experience, experience that brings us forth from the miry clay, puts our feet on solid ground, establishes our going. It's not a curve in the road. It's a 180 an experience that should never allow us to turn back. And yes, we did touch on some other parts of Acts, but that experience, that true, repented experience was expounded upon in Acts, the second chapter, when the apostles and disciples were endowed with the Holy Spirit, and they spake to everyone in their own native language. And they could understand God's ways. And they could see God working. And lives were changed by the thousands. And it made a difference. They decided to bring all things in common. They were willing to sell everything to experience and to know the Father in heaven and his ways so much better. And men would be put to prison. And it says in Acts 5, they rejoiced. They, they could suffer the sake of the gospel. A different thinking, a different mentality, a very different experience. Men were stoned and taken for dead. 
and the Lord raised them up. Men that were in prison. And they sang and they prayed. And the doors were opened. And lives were changed. And we know the account of the jailer and his family. And they were all converted. By what they had seen, what they had heard from those men and women of God who had gone through a repentance experience that changed completely, transformed them completely. And now they had a new reason for living. They were those, however, that were not happy with the situation. And after some years, as this gospel was spreading, Paul was on his way to Thessalonica, to the Thessalonians, and then to Berea, and then to Athens. And when he was in Thessalonica, the Jews were very upset with the situation. The gospel continued to find ground that was fertile, lives that wanted to be changed, lives that realized there was a difference, and they wanted to have eternal life with God Almighty. And things started to make sense. What they heard and what they experienced and what they had heard that Christ had preached about all started to come together. And so the Jews made this statement. In Acts, the 17th chapter, it says in the verse 6, the latter part, and it said, These that have turned the world upside down have come hither also. Those that have turned the world upside down. Who was upside down here? These men had turned around in a repentance experience. And now, the ways that Christ had taught, the ways that God had made clear to them, they were proclaiming a lifestyle that is very different. It's not about me, myself, and I. But it goes back to what Christ preached about in Matthew, the fifth chapter. Sermon on the Mount where he says, Ye have heard that it had been said, An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, Turn to him the other also. And if any man shall sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him take thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asketh thee, 
and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. In another gospel, he says, lend it to him, expecting nothing in return. Ye ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your your enemy, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. Very different. The gospel that Christ was preaching, the ways that he was explaining things to people, very different than our mind, our human nature would like to think and would like to act. And so it was appropriate when we listened this morning in Bible class, I questioned myself, am I always hearing that alarm? Am I always going that second mile? Am I doing good to my enemy and those that despitefully use me? or want to, or want to do the same to you. Is that awakening in our mind? Is our, are we conscious enough to pick that up and say, Lord, I'm going to do as you have instructed me, and I'm going to go that second mile, and I'm going to love that person, and I'm going to help them In Romans, the 12th chapter, it talks about giving your enemy a glass of water. When was the last time you did that? When is the last time I did that? That's what God is asking of me. That's what he's asking for us to do. That the world might see that we don't think as the world thinks. We don't act the way the world acts. But our calling is so much higher and so much different. Maybe that's why when we read in Corinthians, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world and things which are despised God hath chosen, yet, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are. That's the way God works. He works that way that no flesh should glory in his presence. We're just servants of God. Yet, he's told us we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. I can't fathom that, 
I don't fully understand that. But that's what God said. And I believe it. And that's why he's preparing a place for you and for me. Those that have truly repented and those that continue to propagate what Christ has laid down in his word. A different way of thinking about things. A different way of acting that will provide question to those that we come in contact with. Excuse me. Those that we come in contact with. See, the gospel of Jesus Christ might not be read by them in the Holy Scriptures, but it might be seen by them by you and I and how we live our lives, and how we walk, and how we talk, and how we act, and better, how we react when circumstances are not so pleasant. As we rehearsed in Acts, some extreme situations. Not many of our brothers and sisters sitting here have gone through those. I know that there have been some that have. have Had to give their life for the sake of the gospel. Had to give years of their life in prison for the sake of the gospel. But God is working, working through those situations. There's a nice collection now of of our fathers of faith that we have on CD now. And our family enjoys listening to them. And you almost sometimes cannot believe that these have actually happened to our forefathers. But they have. Because we've got them also in the scripture, how God has been true and faithful, how he's taken his loved ones through it, our very predictable God. True and faithful to every promise, to what he says he will do, but he's very unpredictable in how he will do it or when he will do it. It's us to rely on him. It's us to be assured with our faith that he will, and we will see it. And it might be in a very unpredictable way. That's our God. So when situations come in your life, and you think you've had the same situation before, and you try to handle it the same way, don't do it that way. Bring it to the Lord in prayer. Seek out his will. He said he will handle it. He'll take you through it. But in a way that might be very different than the last. And that's how our God is. He's so great that he's not going to be 
caught up in the ways we think, the way we would like to handle it, the way we think it might be easy. It's not the way God does it. But he will. He will care for us. Just as he let Paul slip out of this situation here and found himself in Berea, with those that checked everything that he said, compared it with Scripture to make sure these things were so. And then as he went his way to Athens, and we know the account there, where he preached to them about the unknown God, the one that wants to be known in all of man's hearts. That's our Heavenly Father. That's how he works. Those that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. Also. Like somehow they knew that would happen. That has to be in our lives also. You and I, as we walk this life of faith, with a mindset and a perspective that God has given us, we don't see the things quite like the world does. We might remember back to those days, but we know it's far better the way the Lord has taught us now how to live. How to live by faith and not by sight. How to be weak and yet be very strong. Those statements still today bring large questions to people's mind. It's not just back in the day of Christ when he said those things where simple-minded people didn't seem to get it the first time. But when they saw it act out in the lives of simple people, they could grasp hold on to it. It's the same way today. As the world tries to make things more complicated, more sophisticated, more information that we need to seemingly have to, to take in, to digest, and make assessments of. It's not the way God wants it. Let's go back to the simple ways. Trust and obey. Lean not on your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. Again, some things that are a little bit more difficult to fathom doesn't come natural to the natural man. But should become part of the new man, the man that is resurrected with the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who has his feet on solid ground and has a purpose in life and a way in life. 
so important. But it sometimes gets a little more difficult. My brother and my sister with temptation. When Satan is there, he started turning the world upside down right with the very first question that he asked Eve. Did God really say that? And that starts things in the wrong direction. When we seemingly know the answer to the question, but we contemplate it and think about it more than maybe we should. And that's how Satan works. And so Satan would try to turn us upside down and question the ways of God and how he has worked in your life and how he's worked in my life and how we understand the scriptures and how we act out the scriptures. And yes, it's not always so evident when Satan starts working. He doesn't just cause us to blatantly do something that's obvious or say something that's definitively wrong. He questions things in our hearts and our minds. And we should never, ever play with that for more than a second. Satan is there. He always will be there. He's always trying to take us back and convince us of his ways again. But as the Holy Spirit lives in your life and in my life, brother and sister, within a moment's notice, we should be able to recognize his ways and his tactics. When he comes knocking, I would say we should be just dwelling on his thought for a moment and not much longer. Recognize it under the influence of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that it's not of the Holy Spirit, it's not of God, it's not of his word. But if we do dwell on those thoughts for much longer, we're already starting to have a problem. And he's already trying to make an inroad. And it starts with thoughts. And it starts with ideas. And it starts with questions. And it can lead to all kinds of problems. In Hebrews 4, it says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit 
and of the joint, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's what God's word is. That's how piercing it is. We talk about the body, the soul, and the spirit. It's clear. The Apostle Paul says, I need to die daily. That's how we live a victorious life. That's how we live a life that's acceptable to God. That's how we live a life that is so very different than the world. Because we're dying to the flesh and the things of the flesh and the things that would like to entrap us once again. And so, the Apostle Paul says, I die daily. And Willie needs to die daily. And you need to die daily. As long as we have flesh and blood. But it also says here, we're going down to discerning between the soul and the spirit. And the intents of the heart. And that's where the root of all issues come. What is our intent? Is our intent to draw closer to God? Is our intent to be more like His Son? Is our intent to be joint heirs with Jesus Christ? To be ambassadors? To have that new vocation, as the Apostle Paul tells us. How is it that we want to live? And it starts with those thoughts and those intents. The thoughts and intents are reined in or are captive by the Holy Spirit. And not by our ways. Not by our thinking, not by our motives, then we will truly have victory. That's a difference between a Christian that has a victorious life and then a Christian or so called Christian that seems to always have troubles. He needs to have victory right at the onset where the thought is come into the mind and is displaced immediately as something from Satan. And we rather clasp hold on the things that are of God. And so we substitute it with something that is lovely that is pure, that is peaceable, that brings honor and glory to God and not to oneself. These men of God that we read about in Acts were filled with the Holy Spirit. No different than men and women of God today.
He's poured out His Spirit on those lives that have claimed Him and have had found victory in Him and have truly repented. And His Spirit is manifest in the thoughts, in the speech, and the action. The question is, is is that evident to all that we come in contact with? As these men went from village to village, if you read some of the verses before there, as Paul's custom with was, was he would go and discuss with those in the town center the ways of God. Are our lives that way that as we meet others, they not only see a difference by the way we act and react, but the way we talk and what we talk about and what means, what mean, what's important to us. That's what God wants to see. That's what our friend wants to see. That's what our stranger that we come in contact with only maybe once in our life wants to see. And the scripture says, if we apply it the way it says, even our enemies, even our enemies, that's how different we will be because what he's done in your life and in mine. And as we walk this life of faith and as we become I want to use the word more sure but more exercised in his ways becomes clearer and more evident in everything that we say and do. When the world sees us approaching, are they saying we're those that turn the world upside down? Or do they say we're one of those that try to help mankind see things the way God sees them? That we want to make a difference in people's lives. And we want to help, not only physically, but spiritually. That their path might be made right. Their path might be made straight. And they might be on the narrow way and not on the broad way. That's what God is expecting my dear brother and my dear sister, of both you and me. He wants us to live for him every moment, every day, in every aspect of our lives, that our lives are consistent, consistent in everything. I appreciated what the brother said last night full authority and control.
I knew exactly what the brother was talking about. I did work in the aerospace business many, many years ago, had a similar expression. But does the Lord Jesus Christ have full control of our lives right now and full authority? That he can take you, as he did with Philip, into a desert place in a moment's notice. And you can explain to a person the plan of salvation and bring the scriptures alive that he might be able to take it back to his kinsmen, to his friends, to his neighborhood, that they might also know the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what God's expecting of us, prepared at a moment's notice to work in the vineyard for him.